What's up, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Yukon Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I just want to remind everyone before we get into today's episode that there is two episodes of the Yukon Hockey Podcast that are out now. Episode 19 is a women's hockey playoff preview as the Yukon women's hockey team takes on Boston University in the hockey's quarterfinals. In that episode, I preview the game and what to expect from both UConn and Boston University and just what to expect from the hockey's playoffs in general on the women's side. In episode 20 of the UConn Hockey Podcast, I recap the UConn men's hockey team's recent series over UMass and talk about how important Saturday night's win was, and then I also preview their upcoming weekend series against Northeastern. Uh, So make sure you check out both episodes, but I just want to remind everyone that there's two episodes of the podcast that are out this week. I hope you guys enjoyed these episodes and have a great time listening to them. Thank you. I also want to remind everyone to make sure you follow us on social media, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter, at the Yukon Hockey Pod. In these accounts, you get updates on the teams, as well as just my general overall thoughts on what's going on, and some podcast news as well. So make sure you follow both of those accounts. Also, make sure you follow us and subscribe to our Apple Podcast page and our Spotify page at the Connecticut Hockey Podcast. Um, Doing these things helps our podcast grow, helps new people find us, and I truly appreciate it if you did those things. It means a lot to myself. Um, Make sure you leave a rating and review as well. Um, It just helps more people find us. Thank you again for doing these things, and I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the UConn Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew, and thank you so much for listening to episode 20 of this podcast. It's pretty crazy that we've done 20 episodes already. It feels like yesterday since I started this thing, but um, really excited to talk about this weekend series. Obviously, UConn had a huge win on Saturday night. Um, but before I get to all of that, obviously, I'm doing this episode solo, no co-host, so if there's any uhs, ums, likes, pauses, if I mess up anything, I truly apologize about that. Normally I like to do this episode with a co-host, however, it just didn't work out this week. So please bear with me on this, but I appreciate you guys listening. It means a lot, and we're going to get through this, and I feel like I'm going to do a great job in this because obviously this is something I need to work on since my goal is to be a broadcaster in hockey one day. So I think this is going to be great practice for me to um, do something like this solo. So, But I just kind of want to let you guys know about that before any, we kind of talk about um, this weekend series and also preview the upcoming one against Northeastern as well. And then there's some two things I kind of want to get into um, at the end of the episode. But let's start off like we always do. We'll recap both games and then I'll just give you my three thoughts uh, from both teams' perspectives and then just kind of ramble about the other stuff I want to talk about um, at the end of the episode. So let's start off with Friday night. Um, boy, was I very excited for this series. I, like I said in the last episode, um, this was a big series for UConn. And this is arguably, or that was arguably one of the biggest series in program history. And it was pretty crazy to see how high the vibes were, I guess, uh, for Friday night's game. The XL Center was buzzing. That was the most people I've ever seen in the XL Center this season. It was pretty crazy. They listed the crowd at like 4,500 people. It felt like there was more people than that in the stadium, to be honest with you. I feel like six or 7,000 were in the stadium. Um, that's just the way it felt like to me, but it seemed like the energy was high, and obviously the building was waiting to just explode for a goal. And, and to be honest, that really kind of didn't happen, um, unfortunately, just because 
um, when that goal was scored, it was kind of, it felt like people in the building felt like that was kind of a little too late. I didn't feel that way. I always believe in the team, but unfortunately other people felt otherwise. But let's kind of get into what happened on Friday night because the vibes were extremely high, like I said. And the first two periods were pretty interesting for a lot of reasons, but the biggest reason why I felt like it was very interesting was there wasn't a score um, in the first two periods. Just I felt like both teams were getting um, good opportunities to score goals, and it just wasn't happening. Obviously, UMass was dominating, in my opinion, um, the game in the first two periods. Um, they're out shooting UConn by a vast amount. I also feel like they had more zone time than UConn did as well, and also... Um, I felt like that UMass had way more possession of the puck than UConn did. I don't know if there's a stat to like look that up, but it just felt like to me that UMass had the puck way more than UConn did. There probably is. I just don't know where to find it. But So I just felt like UMass was dominating this period. But even though UMass was dominating this period, UConn still had their opportunities to get some goals. Um, Yakim Kondlik hit the post a few times. Uh, Vladislav Firstov had a great breakaway as he caught UMass on a break, but Matt Murray made a nice save to keep the game scoreless, and credit to Matt Murray. I know a lot of people are talking about Darian Hansen, and rightfully so, and we will get to that, but Matt Murray, I think it's hard, in my opinion, I think it's more difficult as a goaltender to kind of be standing there and doing nothing and then having to make a big save, and sometimes when the sh- when you look at the shot totals, like, oh, a goalie only made, like, 16, 17 saves. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a lot, but, like, those 16, 17 saves were, like, really key because, you know, they weren't doing that much, and then they had to kind of get ready and kind of stay focused and then make a big save, and I feel like that could be difficult, and I feel like a lot of people don't talk about that enough in regards to goaltenders. So shout-out to Matt Murray. He had a really good series to um, Saturday night score, but he made some keys. He was a big reason why UMass won on Friday night. So, um, but kind of after the first two periods, really nothing happened. Cav kind of challenged a a play that he thought was a major penalty. Obviously, the ref referees disagreed with him, and it ended up costing UConn because it took away one of their timeouts, which I feel like they could have used later in the third period to potentially kind of settle things down, give the guys a rest, and potentially drop a play that could have been a goal that could have equalized the game, at least brought the game to overtime. So I feel like that was an important part of the game to mention because I feel like not a lot of people were talking about that 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 one challenge that I feel like kind of was a big impact in the game. But then the third period rolls around, and that's when penalties started happening. Um, to be honest, the refereeing on Friday night I thought was okay. Um, I kind of liked how they let them play in the first two periods, but then it seemed like they are starting to call things that I didn't agree with. I didn't like the call on John Spett specifically. I thought he was just doing his best to defend Bobby Trevino, which is obviously a hard thing to do, but I didn't think he did anything that egregious to be called. But unfortunately it was that power play ended that penalty ended up not really costing UConn but the one that did was Jared Gorley's high sticking call because Ryan Ufko had an absolute laser from the point and that ended up giving U- UMass the one nothing lead in this game and yeah shout out to shout out to UMass because um, they're really dominating most of that game and to finally get a power play goal and apparently Carville said after that game that that was a play that they drawed up and you know, it just seemed like that was it was that 
goal was bound to happen. You kind of feel like was taking too many penalties in the third period that ended up obviously costing them. But also UMass was dominating uh, zone play and they were getting a lot of shots on that. And I feel like at some point they were going to break through and they did in that third period with that UFCO goal. Then Lupino scored a goal on a nice set play, which made it 2 nothing. And to be honest, at that point, I'm like, the game's probably over. But luckily for myself, Carter Turnbull is a UConn Husky, and he took advantage of a late power play and made it a 2-1 game. And UConn obviously had some opportunities after they pulled Hanson to get the equalizer. But Matt Murray and the UMass defense stood on their heads and found a way to steal that game on the road. And that was a really solid one for UMass. They definitely needed to get at least one of these three points, just like UConn did. And it was just uh, it was just disappointing because I feel like this was a great opportunity for UConn to kind of, um, I guess, kind of just show prove themselves in hockey East. And um, at that point, I was like, oh man, like I was kind of worried about the series um, after that game, just because it seemed like UMass showed up and was ready to play that game, and it didn't seem like UConn was didn't really show up in that game. To be honest with you, they had some opportunities, but I just feel like they didn't have the same energy that UMass had in that game. And I just felt like they took too many bad penalties in the third period, which ended up costing them. And I don't know, even Coach Cav said they got outplayed tonight, and it just felt like they got outplayed on Friday night. So UMass got the win Friday night, but luckily Saturday night was a different story. And something that was said on the High Character Podcast, I want to give those guys a shout-out because I did get the chance to meet them on Saturday night. Great guys, great podcast as well. So if you're a UMass fan, check that podcast out. I don't think many people that are listening to this now are UMass fans, but if you know a guy that's a UMass fan that hasn't heard about them, tell them to check that podcast out. They're pretty good. But one thing that Cameron said in the podcast preview about the UConn game, which I thought was pretty interesting, was how he said that he likes having the road games on Friday nights and then having the home game Saturday just because if they can steal one on the road, then they can use all that positive momentum heading into a home game. And it feels like it's more likely... You're, if you if you have that road win on a Friday night, the sweep is more likely since you have that home game on a Saturday. And I never really looked at it from that way. But after you said on that podcast and after UMass won on Friday night, I was like, oh, man, like I felt like UMass was going to probably take it on Saturday night. And I was just a little worried about that. But luckily, I was proven wrong because I love it when the boys proved me a little wrong on that case because UConn found a way to win on Saturday night. But it was not easy, to say the least, because, boy, did UConn get vastly outplayed in the first period. Um, they got outshot 9-3. to three. There was a lot of chances where I was shocked that um, UMass couldn't find a way to score on. And shout out to Darian Hansen because he played fantastic, not just on Saturday night, but just throughout the series as well. And it's been great to see. I feel like Hansen has just been fantastic for UConn this year. I feel like there's been a few starts here and there where he hasn't played his best. But for the most part, the guy has been outstanding this year. And I feel like he's given UConn chances to win games. I think one thing that you can say about Darren Hansen is he hasn't been the reason why UConn has lost a game, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, he hasn't had some great nights, but he hasn't been the main reason why they've lost a game. And I think that says a lot about how good of a goaltender he is. And he just proved it in the game against in this series against UMass. Really stood on his head, found ways to make some saves. He kind of reminded me of Tim Thomas a little bit in the 2011 playoffs with some of the saves he made. There was one play that like trickled on the goal line and he just laid flat on it. And that was just, I feel like Tim Thomas would have done something like that. But he was outstanding in this game. And 
UConn really didn't have any really offensive chances in the first period, but they found a way to capitalize on a five-on-three, which we'll get into the special teams in a second because that was obviously a key part of the game. But John Spats found a way to capitalize on a defensive breakdown that UMass had. Obviously, when you're in five-on-three, you know, there's some open guys, and he took advantage of that and buried the the rebound. And I think it was a rebound. It was kind of like a pass, and Murray had no chance on it, but they found John Spets found a way to bury that goal, make it one nothing. But then, after uh, the first period, I don't know what Coach Carvel said to the boys, but he got them fired up because Bobby Trevino came out and shot a laser of a puck to say the least. Hanson had no chance on that one to make the game one to one, and then Josh Lapina scored another good goal, nice set play, very similar to the one he had on Friday night to make the game two to one. And at that point, I was getting worried just because like, oh no, like UConn got very much outplayed in the first period they found a way to get the goal and be up one nothing but after those two goals I'm like oh man like UMass is starting to come like this game this game could be ugly and I remember turning to someone who I was with at the game I was like you know I'm surprised this game's not 4-1 and the way this game's going it might turn into a 4-1 game so hopefully UConn can kind of settle things down and um, find a way to tie up the game and to be honest in that second period even though there was points in the game that UConn was getting outplayed and they definitely had their issues, I thought they took way too many dumb penalties in that second period, which I'll get into in a little bit later in the episode. But they took some dumb penalties that I thought they shouldn't have taken, but it seemed like they were starting to find their groove in that second period on Saturday night. Uh, they had some big penalty kills, which Coach Cav alluded to in the postgame press conference, but then Ryan Twerberg with a fantastic goal, just great hand-eye coordination. And we'll get into Ryan Twerberg in a second, but he was fantastic. On Saturday night, find a way to get that tipping goal in the second period and make it 2-2. And that's when I felt like UConn started to swing in the right direction. They started to kind of um, just have good shifts here and there. Like they were starting to get good shifts. It seemed like the message in the bet was just one shift at a time, one shift at a time. And that's exactly what UConn was doing. They were starting to kind of get into the game a little bit and making it tough for UMass to get some opportunities. And then the third period rolled around. I thought UConn was the better team in the third period. I thought they gave UMass a lot of trouble um, really setting up plays and getting good quality shots. It reminded me a lot of the Merrimack games where Merrimack, yeah, they found ways to get some goals, but for the most part, Merrimack was struggling to kind of create chances and set up um, good opportunities and that's a credit to the UConn defense they played very well in the third period and then obviously Ryan Torvberg took the puck from one end to the ice to the other end of the ice beat two UMass defenders and found a way to set that give the puck in the front of the net and kind of take Murray's I guess position away from the puck and then Hudson Shandor buried that rebound but it was really Ryan Torvberg that made that play all happen and UConn got the 3-2 lead and I was so happy when that happened I was like let's go and I felt like that moment really showed me it's like all right this team's resilience is fantastic I've been saying that all year but when when Shandor got that goal I was like we might have a chance to win this game I'm really starting to believe and then they just started playing well they were having like I said great shift after shift after shift and then eventually Mark Yakom scored the fourth goal in the game, which basically sealed the deal uh, for UMass and UConn, one on the road, 4-2, to two, and just a great, great win. And I said this on Twitter, but one of my favorite things about this team, and I've said it time and time again, has been their resiliency. Whenever the chips seem down or whenever something isn't working for them, a lot of people start questioning it, but UConn always finds a way to kind of prove those people's wrong. 
it was the penalties at the beginning of the season. I feel like they're taking a lot of dumb penalties, which we'll get to in a second in this weekend series, but they found a way to kind of clean that up. One thing was um, their power play. They seem to kind of, they seem that they're seeming to kind of figure out the power play. You know, it just seems like whenever there's an issue, I feel like UConn kind of starts to show those people like, no, that's not an issue. It was just a couple one-off bad games. And I've really been impressed by the resiliency of this team. You like You've seen it all year long. They had a tough weekend series against Ohio State. They got split up. They should have at least won one of those games. They go into Northeastern, win 5-2. to two. They had a th- tough three-game stretch. They really struggled the weekend when they played Boston College in Providence, and then they lost a tough road game against UMass Lowell. They come in a home game and a must-winning game against UMass Lowell. They find a way to win that game. And then, you know, people were kind of questioning them um, heading into the Thanksgiving break about, oh, is UConn, why is UConn struggling to score goals? They go against Colgate and score six goals. And, you know, they struggle against AIC. They struggle against Boston University and starting to question, like, what does this team have? They go, they finally find a way to win against UNH in overtime. And then they start this winning streak that they have, they're kind of going through right now. And that's why I love this team so much, just because they find a way to fight through adversity. And they start to, and I feel like they're proving a lot of people wrong, including myself at times. Um, that they're a really good cable hockey team and that they have a lot of talent in which they've been showing me and everyone else that they are a good team. And it's just been fun to see. So that's been one thing I've been really impressed by this team. And I feel like that Saturday night game against UMass is a great example of it. Even when they didn't really have their best game on Friday night, when they were really struggling on the first first kind of first half of that game, they still find a way that they knew how important that game was and they found a way to win it. And that's just, I think that shows a lot, shows me a lot. But I think that's what you need to have if you want to win a championship is you need to show people that when you're when the chips are down, when things aren't going away, that you can find a way to win games. And UConn did that to a T on Saturday night, which was great to see. So that's one thing that that win really showed me. But I kind of want to start off with the negatives a little bit and then kind of get into the positives because I like to end off the podcast on a positive note. I'm more of a glass half full type of guy anyway. So. I guess the first negative was on Saturday night's game specifically, but just throughout the whole weekend, uh, UConn got dominated in a lot of areas in this game. One was obviously the shots on goal. I think UConn had 19 shots on goal on Friday night, and I think they had like 16 shots on goal on Saturday night. And I'm sorry, I think that's for a team as talented as UConn, which has proven to score goals in bunches, they needed to get more shots on that because in playoff time, I feel like 16 shots on goal and 19 shots on goal is just not going to be enough to beat a team in the hockey's playoffs, in my opinion. So they really need to figure out a way to get more shots on the net and more shots on goal because the more shots on goal that they do have and the more pucks that they're on that, I feel like the more chances that they're going to get because obviously they proved on Saturday night 16 shots on goal, they can get four goals. Imagine if they had like 25 shots on net they could have scored potentially six goals in that game instead of four. Just because when you shoot the puck on net, you get more chances. And I feel like for UConn, they got to shoot the puck more and get more shots on net because it obviously worked out for them on Saturday night, but who knows if it will work out for them in a hockey's playoff game or against a really good team in the national tournament if they end up making it that far. So that's one thing I really feel like UConn needs to work on. And then obviously they got dominated in the face-off zone on Saturday night as well, but... They did do very well on the face-up dot on Friday night. I would like to point that out, but that's something that UConn needs to work on is just um, 
doing better on the faceoff zone. I didn't think it was that much of an issue this weekend, even though they did get dominated on it on Saturday night. But it's just something to look out for for the team because I did think they went they won some big faceoffs on Saturday night, despite not, I guess, having that many faceoff wins on Saturday night. I feel like they won some important ones though um, in that game. So. Just want to point that out. But I think the biggest thing that's starting to creep back for the team, which is starting to bug me a little bit, is I think they're taking way too many stupid penalties. I said this in the beginning of the season, but they took some really bad penalties in the beginning of the season that really cost them some games. I think two games that I think can think of specifically was the game against BU earlier in the season, and then also the games against Providence where they just took too many penalties and it really cost them the game. And they're lucky that their penalty kill was fantastic on both nights, to be honest with you, but especially on Saturday night because the penalties that they took, if they take these many penalties in a playoff game or against another quality opponent, who knows if UConn will not be that lucky, especially Condalik in that second period on Saturday night. Oh, man, this guy was just taking so many delay, like delay, two delay at game penalties. Like, it just it was making me go crazy. It's like, these are just penalties that we can avoid. And if we just avoid these penalties, we're not giving our opponent the chance to, you know, really capitalize on this opportunity. And UMass has a pretty decent power play. So it was just making me irk. It's like, oh, we need to stop with these penalties because we're just giving the opponent the chance to kind of come back and really dominate this game. So that's one thing I feel like you kind of needs to work on for next week is kind of cut out the dumb penalties that they've been taking. Obviously get more shots on that. And then the last thing, the last, I guess, negative is I guess get more zone time as well. I, this is really more of a complaint for Friday night, but like I said, I thought UMass was getting a lot more zone time on Friday night, which I think was a big reason why they found a way to win that game. And I feel like if you're UConn, you need to figure out a way to try to create more offensive chances in your own zone and kind of keep that puck in your own zone. And especially in the first period on Saturday night, I know I'm kind of bouncing back between both games, but you know, UConn was really struggling to break out the puck in their own zone. And I just feel like that's just the little things they need to work on because I still feel like they did a good job in their transitional game in this game going from the neutral zone to their offensive zone but I feel like that's something they still kind of need to work on a little bit more and I think this series kind of showed that if they want to have success um, in the playoffs and for the rest of the regular season so but definitely a crucial three points that they got on Saturday night just because if you look at the standings it's very tight UConn could have like one or two bad games for the end of the regular season and they could finish in like seventh place like just think about that they've been playing so well the as of the last month or so and just one or two bad games they could finish in seventh place and it could mean nothing so it just shows you how tight the hockey standings is and just how exciting it's going to be as the stretches of season comes down so so for UConn you know you gotta just continue to rack up these points and hopefully find a way to finish in the top half of the standings because obviously I'd want to win that regular season trophy but you know most importantly you want to get home ice advantage in the playoffs because I feel like if they get home ice for that quarterfinal series I think that gives them the best chance of advancing to the semifinals then obviously um, the goal is to win the hockey's championship at the end of the day so and since I'm on the topic of the standings um, pairwise UConn is I think tied with Boston University for 14th place and obviously that means that they would be in a tournament spot if the season ended today but if you look at it from like I guess a bracketology perspective, the Atlantic Hockey Championship happens. Obviously, some upsets in the conference tournaments could happen as well. So UConn technically 
isn't really safe to make the NCAA tournament, but as of right now, they are in a spot. I said this in a tweet earlier, but I feel like UConn has a kind of like a 50-50 chance of making the tournament. They obviously have a really tough schedule ahead of them with the games against Northeastern next week and then obviously the playoff games that they might have to play. But I feel like if you know UConn could do well in those um, in those big games that they have, they can obviously make a case for themselves to get an at-large bid. So I don't really think that's out of the question, but I also think it will be kind of difficult for UConn to get that at-large bid if that's what they're achieving for. I think the best way for UConn to make the tournament is obviously win the Hockeyist Championship and get that automatic bid. And I hope that's what they are striving for, and I know that's what they're striving for. So, But just some positives now, just to start off. Obviously, I thought the big positive was the special teams for UConn because I think special teams was a big reason why they won the game on Saturday night. Um, they had a great penalty kill, really shutting down the UMass um, power play, which has some great players in Trevino, Wade, Lapina. Obviously, you know, three really talented players. And, you know, obviously we saw that this weekend. And for the UConn penalty kill to really just shut those guys down and not really give UMass, UMass that many, I guess, quality scoring chances, especially in the second period, was a was a big reason why. And obviously, Hanson stood in his head and made those penalty kills. Uh, was a big reason why those penalty kills were successful, especially in the first period. But, you know, just kudos to the UConn team for killing those big penalties, killing that 5-on-3 early in the first period. Hudson Shandor made a great block in the second period, which I don't think is getting talked about enough. I think he had to go on the bench for a little bit. But just the little things like that, I think, was a big reason why UConn started to kind of turn the tides in the Saturday night game and then eventually get that big goal by Hudson Shandor to give UConn the lead in the third period. And I think a big reason was that was just how well they were doing on the penalty kill. I think that really hyped up the bench, and I think Coach Cav even alluded to it in his post-game press conference on Saturday. So that was one positive that I was really excited to see for UConn. Next positive, Ryan Torbrick. This guy is an absolute beast, and I'm going to tweet this out soon, but since 2017, Maxim Latunov has been my favorite UConn Husky of all time. And I'm kind of proud to announce, I guess, that that is no longer the case. I still love Maxim Latunov. Don't get me wrong. He will always be one of my favorite players. But Ryan Torberg might be my new favorite UConn Husky. I absolutely love watching this guy play. I think he does everything right um, in regards to the defensive side of the game. I think he's a really decent defen- defensive forward, which I don't think gets enough credit. But another thing is this guy just throws the body around and you saw this in this UMass game this guy is trying to make himself known physically and he also does a great job offensively as well and was a big was one of the main reasons why UConn won this series was just his offensive zone play he was just fantastic and that third goal oh man I still keep watching just how he basically just took the puck from one end of the ice to the other end of the ice and beat two UMass defenders it was insane and not only that but he's just he obviously find ways to score goals and obviously that was a big goal uh, on Saturday night when he had that great hand-eye coronation play to tie up the game. But his assist-making ability is something that has been really impressive to me. The guy's a fantastic playmaker. You saw that in the BC game. For example, the first goal that was scored, BC had a terrible line change. Torver recognized that. He shopped in the ice and made a great play to Schlein. Schlein knocked it home, and basically Dopp had no chance in that goal. And that was a one nothing game uh, for UConn at that point. And it was just these little things that he could see, his vision, his playmaking ability, his goal-scoring ability, his defensive, it just everything about the guy is just so much fun to watch. And when I watch him play now, I'm just like, how was this guy a seventh-round pick? Like, how? This guy could easily, if the draft was redrafted this year and he was not even drafted and he was eligible to get drafted, this guy would be a top. This guy would be at least a 
top three. This guy will definitely go in the top three rounds. I guarantee you that. So the Leafs got an absolute steal in the seventh round. It makes no sense how this guy won the seventh round. He's so much fun to watch and just, oh, I feel like he just doesn't get enough credit. And kudos to him. He made it to the hockey's player, co-player of the weekend. It was just so well-deserved for him, but he's just such a fun player to watch. So he was one bright spot. And I think as Torbert gets going, man, this team just is great. And I feel like he's just adding more parts to this game. I think in the beginning of the season, you know, it was a little more offensive than defensive, but now you're just starting to see the other parts of the game's rise. He's starting to be more physical. His defensive game is starting to improve significantly, and oh, it's just been great to see. So that's just been one positive I want to kind of bring up. And then another thing I kind of want to talk about was in Greg Carville's post-game press conference on Saturday, someone asked him about Torberg and just the way he played, and Greg Carville literally said, I don't comment on other teams' players. Coach Carvel, I have a lot of respect for you, but that was kind of a disrespectful comment, in my opinion, just because, why can't you just acknowledge that the player had a good game? He had a good game. He was good. He beat your team. Just acknowledge it. It's not that hard. I don't know why he couldn't do that. It just really rubbed me the wrong way, and I was just like, come on, man. Just say he had a good game. You can comment on other team's players. Cav does it all the time. He praised Josh Lapina and Garrett Waite and Bobby Trevino in the pre-game press conference before the series you could talk about other teams players and acknowledge when someone does well even when it's against your own team i do that all the time coach cab i've seen he does that a lot of the time i just thought it was just like carvel just just mention his name like he had a good game so i don't know why he didn't want to mention his name i just felt like that was disrespectful and i'm just saying this for all the umass fans that are listening to this podcast if ryan Torberg scores in the hockey's like semifinal or championship game in march you know what i'm gonna be chanting Say his name, Greg. I will be chanting that if Torbrick scores. Say his name, Greg, just because, just acknowledge him. He had a good game. That's just one thing that's kind of hurt me that I want to get off my chest. But another thing I want to talk about, so I'm recording this on Monday morning at 12 at night. Just shows you how committed I am. But I need to get this done before um, Tuesday just because I have school coming up. But Kalki Fuke, man, what a dirty Dirty check this guy threw on Torvberg. Just a cross check to the head. It feel like he kind of sucker punched him a little bit too. It was just a dirty, dirty play. And like I said, as I'm recording this on a Monday, I guess Tuesday morning, early morning on Tuesday. But the fact that Hockey East hasn't even announced a suspension for this guy just makes no sense to me. And I'm gonna have a tweet about this tomorrow afternoon if if um if Hockey East hasn't announced anything. It just makes no sense to me. Chase Bradley gets suspended for basically bumping into a guy. But this guy sucker punches Torvberg, cross-checks him to the head, and gets basically no games. It just makes no sense to me. And I'll be very, very upset if Hockey's doesn't announce at least a one-game suspension. To be honest, I think he deserves two games for that. It was just a very dirty play. And I'm not being biased. I think if a UConn player did that to like a guy like Bobby Trevino, I'd say the same thing, that he needs to get suspended. And it just it really bothered me. It's like I feel like his intention was to hurt Ryan Torvberg in that play. And obviously Torvberg's one of UConn's best players. And I'm happy that he wasn't hurt in that play. But if he was hurt in that play, that would have made me even more mad. And I just was... I was was just really disappointed that that I, I'm just really disappointed that there hasn't been a suspension announced for Keefuke. I think he really deserves at least two games for that play that he made in Torberg. So I just want to say that as well. That really bothered me. But um, kind of ending off the podcast note on a positive note, I should say, is I thought the special teams played great. That was kind of one thing. 
some great penalty kill, but also the power play was starting to get going. UConn's power play has obviously been struggling this year. That's not a question. I think they were 9% heading into this game, but the fact that the power play was the biggest reason why they won on Saturday night was fantastic to hear and to see as well. Um, you have to capitalize on those chances, and obviously as the playoffs come, special teams are key, and I hope that's a start. I hope this is a start for the UConn power play to start getting going as they play Northeastern um, next weekend. Just a little preview, I guess, on the Northeastern series coming up. I'm just looking at their, I guess, stats. Their three best players, according to hockey statistics, if you look at it. Aiden McDonough is their leading point getter. He has 26 points in 30 games. Sam Colangelo is second on the list. He has 21 points in 21 games. So he's obviously missed some time, but he's still found a way to be in the top half of Northeastern points leaders. And then Gunnar Wolfontaine, great name, by the way. He is third on the list. He has 20 points in 31 games. Um, and obviously the defenseman to look out for um, Northeastern is Jordan Harris. I think he's a really good defender. Um, he's obviously a Canadian's prospect, and every time he, put, he plays UConn, he's a guy that really stands out to me. And then obviously Jaden Struble, another guy who I think doesn't get talked about enough. I think he's also a Canadian's prospect, if I'm not mistaken, but really good defender for Northeastern. So I think Northeastern definitely has a lot of depth scoring, and they definitely will give UConn a tough time. And this is going to be a big series for UConn because, like I said, one bad game it could really affect UConn in the standings. So obviously Northeastern's goal is going to be Devin Levi. He's obviously having a Hopi Baker season to say the least in 24 games. Devin Levi has 16 wins, seven losses, and has a 1.55 goals against average with a 0.948 save percentage. This guy's been insane. Uh, one of the best um, goalies in the country, in my opinion. And I think the one thing to look out for him is how is 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 the rust factor because obviously he was gone for the Olympics for a few weeks and he didn't really play that much. If my memory serves me correctly, I heard a lot of my Canadian friends saying that he didn't really play that much in the Olympics or didn't even play at all. So rust could be a factor for um, Levi in this series. So that's definitely something to look out for. But another thing to look out for just from a Northeastern perspective, but also a Levi perspective as well is you can really dominate against Northeastern last time they played them in March. So I feel like, I feel like that could have been a game that Northeastern remembered, and it feels like they did because after that game that UConn had against Northeastern, they really have been on a roll, and I feel like this could be kind of like a revenge series. So it's definitely something to look out for is like how the motivation factor for Northeastern and how they're going to approach the series. Obviously, they're going to approach it like in an intense way, in a must-win way because they should, but I think there could be a little more to that based on what happened in October with UConn kind of dominating them in that game. And especially for Levi's perspective as well, since he struggled, I guess, a little bit in that game, um, giving up five goals. But, you know, he's definitely, I think it was like four or five goals or something like that. I don't have the game statistics on me right now, but maybe a game that he felt like he could have had some goals back. Maybe that could be something that Levi looks at. It's like, I want to prove to this UConn team that I'm a better goalie than what they saw on that night. So definitely that's, I guess the two things to look out for, for Northeastern is just their motivation factor, kind of how they approach this game. If it's going to be a little, if it's going to be a little more of a different approach than their normal games, but also, um, how well they do and they have a lot of offensive talent and it seemed like they were dealing with some injuries for a little bit but it seems like some of those guys are coming back so which is good to see and obviously you know they have a lot of very talented offensive players that I don't think get talked about enough guys like Jakob Novak he's a senior transfer from Bentley he has 15 points in 31 games I've always been really impressed by him and I feel like he's having a pretty solid season 
um, with Northeastern. But obviously, one guy that I'm looking forward to watch is Jack Hughes, not the Jack Hughes from New Jersey, obviously. Um, the other Jack Hughes, um, he's projected to be a first-round draft pick, and he hasn't had the best of seasons, but I'm definitely interested to see what he kind of looks like in this series and how he's developed from the last game in October until now. He's definitely a talented individual, and it should be fun to see how UConn goes against a guy like that. So should be a really fun series, a lot of fun names to look out for, and hopefully UConn can at least get the split in this series and kind of keep themselves in the running uh, for the hockey's playoffs. So... But other than that, that's all I really got to say. I apologize, like I said, for any of the, um, I guess, solo podcaster mistakes that you make when you just say, uh, and like a lot. But, you know, I'm trying my best. And when I listen to it, I'll be a little bit, I'll be cringing a little bit. But, you know, I, I tried my best. But I'm very glad that um, um, you guys listen to this. It really means a lot to me. I'm a, like I said, I love UConn hockey. And this season has been one of the best seasons to watch the team, in my opinion. So I'm definitely really looking forward to this series against Northeastern. And, um, I told this to someone. This is kind of kind of this is how I'm getting off the podcast because I feel like it's a good way to do that. And since I'm the only one recording, someone I was so obviously school for this year has still been kind of a challenge for myself, um, just because you know we're still living in kind of pandemic times, and I'm really trying my best. But obviously, college is an adjustment for anyone. Uh, but one thing that has made this year really much better for myself is this UConn hockey team you know obviously whenever I'm struggling academics or just in life in general it really is nice to have something to look forward to in the weekends and just have a team that brings a smile to your face whenever you know you're feeling down and that's what this year's been like for this UConn hockey team especially as of late so um, it's been so much fun to watch this team and the success they had and Saturday night I had so much fun being at UMass seeing all meeting a bunch of different people and just seeing the boys and I love giving them high fives whenever I can before games so um, I know I don't know if any of them listen to this but um, it just really means a lot to me and it really makes my day and it just I've had so much fun watching this team so I kind of want to end off the podcast in that note even though you know I, I get frustrated with the team sometimes I really want them to do well I always will they'll always I'll always support them with all my I guess heart and it really has just been so much, such a fun season. So hopefully the ride can continue for a few more weeks, obviously. And But it's been so much fun watching this team. And that's kind of just the way I want to end it. Obviously, I'm rambling a little bit. But thank you so much for listening. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pod. I'll try to post a little more content this week. I sometimes struggle with that because I'm busy with other things. But like I said, I will try to do that as best I can. But thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. And I'll see you guys next time with another great episode as I recap this Northeastern series and talk about their final series against Vermont coming up. So that should be exciting. And then obviously when playoff time comes, and I said this in the episode 19, but when playoff time comes, I usually try to release these Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. But as playoff time comes around, um, obviously the schedule might get a little wonky uh, just because I know some of the hockey's playoff games might be like Wednesday. I, I, I was just looking through it. So um, just to say there might be the schedule might not be what it usually is. So and I'll try to get an interview. I'm going to look to get an interview before the hockey's playoffs as well. So keep an eye out for that. But thank you again for listening. I truly appreciate it. And I'll see you guys next time with another great episode. Bye. You're full of confidence and cheap colors